Hi guys, welcome to Safe Space. We're here with Daniel Lismore and we're gonna talk all things self-expression and art. Yeah, we can't wait. Can you tell us who you are and what you do? I think Google knows more than I do. Um, <laughs> so I'm an artist, um, I'm an activist, and I don't know, I, I just exist in this world and <laughs> I do my best at what I, you know, I, I do so many different things, so, um, but I love being an activist. Mm-hmm. most of all and the art helps nice i'm a protest i'm a walking protest especially in these days that are you know they're getting a, a bit worse i find myself like in places where i think am i illegal here that's the real situation <laughs> yeah. you know fortunately so yeah you're more controversial the longer these culture wars kind of yeah i mean it's it's affecting me and it's affecting my friends like i'm you know we spoke about um drag and whatever um, I'm not a drag queen. Um, I wear makeup and I wear this. I, I live a sculpture, and um, I'm I'm experiencing homophobia, transphobia, <laughs> dragphobia, and all the other phobias that come with it. So, and plus what on on top of you know just existing like this, walking into a restaurant or a corner shop, or people going like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. So, it's it's interesting how um, all these um, forms of hate. Uh, going to the whole community, mm-hmm. you know, and and that's why I think we need solidarity right now. And I think it's so important that we all um, look out for each other and protect each other mm-hmm. and fight for each other. Yeah. When did the sculpture start? What what was it like growing up? So I grew up in a small village called Philongley outside Coventry. And back then, Coventry was not a place that I wanted to be. And there was nothing there for me. And at the age of probably... Um, 14 I started to dress up I became I was a Star Trek fan and I would uh, I was more or less a loner in my room at home um, a bit scared to go out with the other kids in the village um, they're all into wrestling I was too but for other reasons <laughs> um, and uh, kind of discovering who, who I was I was I was really terrified of um, just existing but also on the other side I was putting clay on my face and I discovered my mum's Elizabeth Arden orange makeup and eyeliner. And so that started to happen. And then um, illegally, I would go out in Birmingham and Coventry to the goth clubs. And that was kind of a place that I found, you know, some kind of acceptance. Mm -hmm. And then um, later on, all the queer clubs around Birmingham and the one in Coventry. Um, But it was still a bit kind of they weren't really accepting of me at mm. the time. I was a bit too orange, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then I, I moved to London and I started to live a sculpture and I studied photography before that. And I kind of questioned the world of, you know, the work we see every day, um, ad campaigns, you know, all these commercials. And I was like, why don't we actually look like that? Like, why don't we live these lives? Like, mm. so I kind of challenged it and, um, I was a model. I I was scouted as a model. And back then it was very me too and very um, kind of scary, you know. It was a very different industry back then. So um, at night I would dress up and the outfits would get bigger. And uh, I found a a scene, everyone from Bowie to Boy George to Adam Ant, the Rolling Stones, they'd all been through the same scene and it Mm. still exists today. You know, people like Gaga and everyone take inspiration from. I remember Sam Smith and Gwendolyn Christie and Paloma Faith. They were all there kind wow. of at the time. Amy Winehouse. So I found this scene 
And I realized that I could actually live how I wanted to live. And I then started to become a living sculptor mm. and kind of got lost in nightlife. And I, I couldn't have an office job because I was terrible. I got a, a job at Vogue and it was a nightmare. I like lost everything and I, I missed deadlines and it was a tragedy. Um, and then I got a job at Liberty um, in a jewelry store and I was selling lots of jewelry, but I had a bit of a breakdown. And um, and then decided I've, I've got to just be me. You know, mm -hmm. I can't exist in this. It's, it's, it's not that easy to exist, you know, in liberty, serving people, being rude to you yeah. every day. And that's that's a normal life that we, mm -hmm. we have. But I just couldn't hack it. So I decided to go and work in the clubs. And um, I met all these influential and amazing people, people starting out and like, you know, everyone goes to nightclubs, so and they release there, and that's where you get to meet everybody. Mm -hmm. And so I started to kind of curate groups of really interesting people, and I would go out and find them on on the street, on the bus, or and invite them all to a club. And they were in all these parties were insane. Um, so we would have like Paris Hilton, Paris Hilton, Amy Winehouse would just she just came out. Um, and she would be there and my friend Jodie Harsh, the drag queen, she, she was like, you look after her. She wasn't famous back then. Mm. And so, um, I, I made all these amazing friends and then I would kind of create spaces for anyone that was interesting. Mm. And I would put the rich and the famous and the fabulous and the really interesting and the artist, I'd put them all in one room. And all sorts of things happened. Like, yeah. Revolutionary <laughs> nights out. It's right. incredible. Yeah. Gosh, what was your best story from that sort of time? Um, I mean, one of my favourite memories, and it's maybe because it's her, but with Amy, um, it was the first time I'd met her. I got so drunk that I don't remember the whole night. And we were the last ones to leave, and this was at a place called Too Too Much, which is now The Box in Soho. Mm -hmm. And I remember leaving the party, and she was like, oh, do you want to come back with us, like, to the house? And I was just like, no. <laughs> but I've had the best time. Um, so I don't know. Um, people like Lee McQueen, Alexander McQueen, They he would be there with Kim Jones, um, mm. who was now at Dior. And they'd be like watching for inspiration. And it was... Wow. It was these... these London was really amazing. When was like, that about? It was 2000 and... Probably from 2002 till 2009. Mm. Things were really interesting. Yeah. And you could be anything you wanted to be. Mm -hmm. People were running around with cardboard cereal boxes on their heads and, mm. well, I was. Um, <laughs> and, you know, lobsters and things. And then um, the kind of scenes kind of come in and out in, mm. in, in fashion. But I always kind of tried to keep a space for mm. interesting people. So living the sculpture kind of went along with that. And mm -hmm. it was how I was able to exist in the world. And do you think that that kind of scene has been lost almost? Is, or would you say that London is still like a place where you could explore that to that extent? I think there's the, there is an extent of, of that. There's a remnant, like it still exists. You've got to find the people. It's been interesting because we've passed on our information and from each generation, you know, like it was Steve Strange and the New Romantics and then it was Boy George and then it was mm -hmm. like um, Kinky Galinky and all these fabulous clubs that you hear of and the Blitz Club and mm. um, Philip Salon and all these really interesting characters and um, there was Lee Bowery and then it, it was like Tasty Tim and Dusty O and um, Lady Lloyd and then it was us mm -hmm. and then we kind of passed we passed it on to like Boombox and then 
there are all these kind of scenes that, but people like Bjork and Kate Moss and everyone you can imagine turned yeah. up to these parties, and mm. it was it was our scenes kind of helped culture grow. Yeah, I think, and I, I think now we have social media. People tend to be at home watching getting dressed up at home and I, mm. I just wish they'd get out and mm. go and meet each other because oh, they'd have the best time yeah that's so liberating and adventurous mm-hmm. yeah and you, isn't it it is oh sorry we <laughs> get really, we, yeah. we want to be there i really want to go there back in time. <laughs> um, yeah do you think like you're talking about like how it was such an inspirational scene and like people were so accepting and you could be what you want is that something that is kind of because that I don't feel that freedom that much in the streets anymore. You know, like in the clubs. That no, it's it's changed a lot. Mm. You know, we there were literally no questions asked. At, like literally, I mean, in a way today that could be seen as a bad thing. Like, but we didn't actually care about mm. anything. You were you, and this they were them, and that, and this is how they are, and this is and and we just loved each other. You know, like and we kind of and all these all these things that happen today like all this hate and we didn't have that we kind of had you know we'd get beaten up at the bus stop for some you know someone that said they were straight would try and come on to us but abuse us all night mm. <laughs> you know <laughs> that still happens um, <laughs> but uh and then um you know so it was a different time um and i i think that all the conversations that are happening now are so important yeah um, and I, I just, it's really sad to see communities divided. Um, and that's what really... And people I, divided Yeah, well. people, like it's... Like if we could all just express ourselves I a know. little bit. Yeah. In and I, yeah. way that let, is. Let, let, let the, put the weapons down a little mm-hmm. bit. You know? Like, you're such a good storyteller. Um, why do you think stories are so important for like scenes like that to be cultivated? Well, back then we didn't have social. So, you know, we had emails and there was MySpace. But before MySpace, there was nothing. Um, and I think the scene leaders and the people that had been there had told stories to each other about, you know, I, I learned about um, the Hijra and I learned about mm. um, they, um, non-binary people in all parts of Africa and all these stories were passed down to us um, and I feel like some of that has been lost, mm-hmm. you know. Um, um, especially with social media, things just go out and they just get completely obliterated by people that think, you know, have a, a silly opinion of mm. some something that f- was actually factually right. Or, um, and for me, I I learned I met a two spirited person, which I I didn't know about any of these things, and I I learned things like from real people. Like I've been very for- I'm so privileged. I'm ridiculously privileged, and I I understand that. Um, but I've traveled the world and I've met all kinds of people from all kinds of places that have told me stories throughout the years of, you know, who came before us and what they did and where they came from. And this is why I'm so interested in you, you both, because, you know, I'm seeing, I'm hearing some of these stories that I heard back 20 years ago mm-hmm. from certain people. And, and I'm like, oh, finally, someone's, someone's putting the information out there. Um, but queer people of, you know, been around forever mm-hmm. and sadly we've been attacked forever too and this place is like the um, museum of sexology that you know the amazing doctor he he traveled and um, obtained all this information and created an archive and a library of all this stuff about trans and non-binary mm-hmm. and other genders mm-hmm. 
throughout time, put it in this beautiful place. And then who came along? The Nazis. The Nazis. Yeah. 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 Put a pink triangle on, on him. They actually killed him. Um, and so it's these things are yeah. keep happening. Yeah. And then um, I, I was told this. Uh, I don't know if I heard it on your podcast or, um, but the Hijra. Um, were such a fierce force against the British generals. Mm-hmm. Um, was he? No, that was no, no. Not so, Okay. So um, they were so ferocious that they killed all the British army that went. And the general was really annoyed. And apparently he went to Queen Victoria and said, um, we need to ban these people and make them illegal. And, and that's when they banned sodomy. So wow. apparently that's what happened. This is what I've been told from a few different sources. But um, and that obviously oh, wow. created the whole colonial mm-hmm. situation yeah. that we still live with today. Yeah, you know. So these are stories that have been passed down through generations, and um, and now everyone's like, "Oh, that's new. This is all all new stuff." Yeah. And I'm like, "No, it's not. Mm-hmm. Like, this is real. Imagine how many people have ex- existed, mm-hmm. and imagine how many today we're, we're allowed to say who we are." Back then we weren't, but there were always people like mm. throughout history that, I mean, just like today, you know, so it's, it baffles me when people question this stuff because it was real and it yeah. was documented. And also then the Victorians came along and what they were very good at was rewriting history. And We're quite good at that these days as well. <laughs> <I think. laughs> um, so they were really good at rewriting history. So they would... Um, and back then mass publishing was a, starting to be a thing so they would get the old books um, take out anything that was queer yeah. and then write a new version to, and then put it out into the public like you know Shakespeare his sexuality disappeared and a load of other mm-hmm. people um, and there was people like Mal Friff I don't know if you know heard of Mal Friff no. and is actually buried in a church in London and recently I tried to go to the grave and then the priest came out and had a go at us because we he knew why we were there right and Malfriff was one of the first celebrities um in London and was like a you know everyone hailed him and he was a trans man and back then um back then people had different ideas about what made you trans and what could make you more trans and it was about the humors and if you smoked and you you, you know um your humors would get deeper and you would become more male and that oh, wow. and and so so Malfriff was this kind of celebrity hailed by everyone in London like everyone loved Malfriff mm-hmm. and there's loads of information out there um there's there's a historian called Tyne O'Connell and she's been studying she actually talked to her she's amazing um and she she's kind of like put all this information out there and it's she's gone right to the history books like the old stuff, the stuff that, you know, the stuff that's falling apart yeah. and, and put this information out. So there's, you know, trans people have always been around. And then 17 years ago, I was asked to pay, play um, Chevalier Dion mm-hmm. in a in a wow. film. And for me, I, uh, I started to look into the character and I weirdly met a historian who um, studied her. Mm-hmm. And I subconsciously kind of became that character and still today there's a bit of me in there it became part of me so it was kind of a an interesting thing and and you know a few years ago the national portrait gallery put the picture up mm-hmm. and um put the story out there again and then you yeah. know it's it's fascinating these people existed mm-hmm. you know 
when you say you're an activist, do mm. you think storytelling is a huge part of activism? Because there's a lot of arguments, there's a lot of fighting, there's a lot of protesting. Mm-hmm. But to me, like storytelling, like changing people's minds about um, how they see the world is such a big part of like pushing for change, you know? Yeah. Um, I have a, an exhibition that's been traveling around the world and I'm very fortunate. And I was saying earlier that um, when it first started in 2016, these anti-drag, anti-trans, anti-LGBT situations were not really talked about. They were not a big thing. Like, people just, you know, it was starting, but it wasn't as crazy as today. Um, so the last two shows I've done, one was a studio where I live. Like, I put my house, my home on exhibit, and also then another exhibition of all my work as sculptures. Um, all these kind of responses came back oh it's you know borderline like why why are they protecting trans rights and all these and i'm like in 2016 this did not happen these were not conversations like why is this hate like infiltrating the arts right now like why why are people so brainwashed by the media i mean every day there's some kind of article that's attacking somebody and i i find it so absurd that people actually buy into it Mm-hmm. Are they that stupid? <laughs> That's or, what I think, yeah. you know. Are they stupid? Or is are they really buying into it? I've got a big question on whether it's just the media just telling us stuff and then we hear all these stories of people hating. But yeah. are people really? Well, I think that, you know, like if you put two people in a room together and you, who have the opposing opinions, mm. would they really, by the end of like an hour, not understand each other? Because I think they yeah. would. I think they would. I do it all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very... Fortunate, I'd, like I said, I'm very privileged. And I, I, as an activist, so for example, the show in Coventry that I did, I went back 20 years later and I brought all my archive back at the place where I was kind of rejected from. You know, I had a bad wow. time. I was bullied really badly. 20 years later, I brought all my work back and it kind of helped change the city's mentality towards mm-hmm. people like us. Um, and I put so much work in there and there was a whole room of activism and there was not one complaint. Apart from there was a turfy sign that was stuck on the thing and now I've turned that into another piece of art. It's kind of, um, that's another situation. Um, <laughs> so uh, it's, it's interesting how a whole city, very sceptical of me, even when they heard I was doing the exhibition, some people were very excited and happy. And then they were like, oh, okay. And they turn up, they see the work and they come out with a smile on their face. Mm. And if if art is active, I've, that's that's my intention, you know. There are so many different ways to do things and people within your own community are always going to disagree with you. Yeah. I think we need to, like, breathe that in and take it in and mm-hmm. just, like, allow it, you know, like, rather than these ideas of, like, cancelling people and yeah. beating down on your own people. Like, you may disagree, but we all have the same objectives, right? Yeah, so. and, and it takes all... Activism is not going out on the streets and shouting mm-hmm. as a that's not what it is on its own like you know there's so many ways of be, being an activist mm-hmm. most of the activist stuff i do i do offline no one knows about it i'm a good connector i'm i'm a stealth activist i'm a i'm a nightmare <laughs> <laughs> um but i i prefer that sometimes you know but then i will go on the street and shout and scream mm-hmm. that's so interesting that you say that that it's a different i've never heard of it like that for me activism i can just imagine like you know a placard and yeah. you, you, that's what it is but the idea that even if you're just in a space and you're free to connect people connect people and to have those conversations that are difficult 
or to read about something or just simply dress how you want to dress is activism and I think that is mm. really amazing to take away from it. What made you learn that? What Vivian. Wow. <laughs> yeah, um, 13 years with her working on everything. So she, she would come up with like here's the situation, what can we do? She would make an artwork around Julian Assange, for example, or she would um, she would get a, a tank and go to David Cameron's house. She literally sat on a tank and drove <laughs> to David Cameron. You know? um, so using every single thing that you can to do the best you can. Mm. And whether, if I sit in a room, I've sat in the room with so many politicians, world leaders, I have access to these people. Um, I have access to like crazy activists who are really well known that do loads of different things and we all work together and if I have if I have a politician next to me I'm not going to talk about how fabulous my outfit is I'm <laughs> I'm going to talk about the hard things with them you know mm-hmm. um, I mean I found one moment where I was I was in a room with Nigel Farage um, and my blood boiled and it's only boiled twice in my life um, and it actually boiled like do you know when they say blood boiling yeah like, mm-hmm. it actually happened Hot, yeah. and I saw him and I was like oh my gosh and I was with um, uh, Joe Wood who was uh, who's uh, Ronnie Wood's ex-wife amazing um person she uh and i said joe could you write the c word on my arm and i orchestrated a a moment with someone that knew him someone that knew me a photographer a model who was going to take the picture and i milked the moment and he started talking to me everyone thought what is going on i tapped all the journalists on the shoulders the journalist said we cannot cover this whatever you're going to do to him we can't do this and i stood next to him and he was talking. I didn't acknowledge him once. And I just went like that. <laughs> and I just stood there. And everyone in the room saw it. He didn't see it. No one told him the whole night. So that, that was how much they kind of hated it. And um, and it went viral. And it went in all the papers. And apparently George Osborne, who was the head of the Standard at the time, said, if it's not printed, I'm out of here. Um, and the, uh, the picture editor, apparently, I know this because someone told me who works there, um, said uh, he was ready to quit if the picture, and they said it was a family paper, so they couldn't put the word in. But they said oh. I had a four-letter word, and actually it went in. And yeah. um, so there's ways of all kinds of ways mm. of being an activist. I mean, you can throw soup, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, I think that's really important for like young people to yeah. hear as yeah, well. That like there's yeah. people doing that, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All over, that. like the yeah the way politics is going, you'd think that like we're so helpless but yeah. that's happening behind the scenes all the time as you say you know mm-hmm. like with people like you mm. it's a nightmare but um but the really good thing like i dressed as poseidon that had been dragged under a bottom trawler and i stood on a rock and the paper the um picture was i worked with greenpeace on this and there was a photograph and then there was a petition that went with it and we just got ocean protection done so literally we actually made that happen not just me a lot of people mm-hmm. But things, positive mm. things come out of yeah. these things. And, and the way protest is being a, made illegal now is so terrible. Oh, so that you have to be creative with it. Really creative with it. Mm. Let's get creative. Yeah. And talk to a lawyer as well if you know one. <laughs> <laughs> um, this lipstick may not come off the cup. It's so good. It's Amanda Lepore's lipstick. Wow. It's the best lipstick. <laughs> But we'll keep the cup forever. <laughs> I actually had, um, I, I was in the AbFab film with Jennifer Saunders. And at the after party, um, I said, should we have a Stolly Wolly? 
She said, I've never had one before. And I kept her glass. What is a Stolly Bolly? Stolly Bolly. Um, it's like Stolichnia vodka and champagne together. And that's what they drank in the whole show. Wow. So, yeah, Stolly Bolly, sweetie darling. Oh, I and love vodka and champagne. Yeah, <laughs> it, it ruined us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she was uh, she was talking to my mum all night with Kylie. It was like a weird... <laughs> He's always name-dropping. <laughs> that's the thing. It's, it's really weird because my life is this, you know, like... I'll talk about, you know, whoever's in my life, like, because re- it's, re- it's my reality and it's a very skewed reality. So, I'm, and I'm very privileged and kind of a, it's a weird world that I live in. Yeah. But they're yeah. all just people. Like. They're just people. Yeah. They're all just people at the end of the day. Yeah. Maybe Can't... you can take us for a stolly bully. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Whenever. So why do you think history, beauty and expression is so important for young people to see? Beauty is such a wide thing, and I think there's beauty in everything and everyone, everywhere. Even if they're the most terrible people on earth, there's always a they're human beings, and I think we forget that sometimes. Um, also, beauty is a lot of fun. Like it's 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 interesting. It can change things, and I know that when you personally, this is just from a very personal place, but when I um, start to build. You know, I I dress with colour, texture and shape. My body's a canvas. And I start to adorn my body and my face and whatever. And I cover up most of it. Um, But I want to create something beautiful. And it's actually really powerful. Like, you know, I'm very lucky to have my face. But if I didn't, I would still do the same thing. I You know, I would... um, And my body's really big. And for years, I struggled with that. I was bulimic. You know, it was like a really... I was a model thrown into that fashion world bulimic already it was a nightmare but um i learned to actually now my body is like my biggest attribute like you know i I gotta kind of stay healthy but i prefer to be big you know Mm. like these outfits they don't work as well on me Mm -hmm. personally so i don't know beauty is a really interesting subject and it's beauty is what you think it is you know beauty is a it's it's how you think. It's not anyone else's. It's your opinion. Like, that's what I believe, you know. And for years, I thought it was ugly. I, and, uh, you know, with different partners. And I was like, I'm never going to get a boyfriend. Like, mm-hmm. all these things. And then all of a sudden, I find, like, the tribe. <laughs> and and they're there and they exist. So, you know, for all these years, I was like, how's anyone going to accept me? Like, I'm... Mm-hmm. But it, it's real, so... How did that transition happen from you thinking it was ugly to beauty? I don't... I, I put my barriers up, you know, I put my guards up. And, you know, I, I could look beautiful in a thing, but then does someone actually see the person under, underneath it? And I obviously I've, I've met people along the way that see me for who I am and how I am. And I've always... For me, it was always like a constant battle of... Am I going to tell them about this, you know, on on the first date or the second date? And now I just, I'm like, here's my book. (laughs) This is me. You know, like, this is me. Like, this is what, this is what I do. There's one of my works. That's me in that. And they're like, and people are actually more open to, Mm. you know. Um, But for years, I kind of, I I was scared to say, you know, Mm. five days later, well, actually, <laughs> this is what I do. Um, but now I just tell people, and if they don't like me, I don't. It's not my problem. No. So, but um, history is really. I think it's. I feel like a lot of it's being lost, but a lot of it has been rewritten as well. So that's the problem. 
Um, I don't know. It's a, history is so important. We need to, especially in the queer communities, like we need to know what the others did before us. And for me, I've, I'm, I'm obsessed because I want to know all that. This is why I'm obsessed with you two. And like, you're telling all these amazing stories and I'm learning, you know, and I think what was the point of all them doing what they did if we're not going to appreciate them mm-hmm. for what they did and how they did it. And we're, we're so privileged today in only in the Western world. I've, I've traveled a lot and I've been to places where you just can't even say the words, you know, queer or gay or trans or can't even. Um, and I think we have to appreciate what the others did for us because they really, you know, they died for us. They literally mm. died. You know, they were they were tortured. They had hellish lives. And many of us have hellish lives, uh, you know, today. But I think we've got to keep fighting. And, and things are going back. Like the UK yesterday, we've gone down the list of, you know, LGBT-friendly places. Like, uh, it's kind of crazy. Oh, but know your history. Yeah. Because it's important, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's important to know what places like the UK did. Like, you mm-hmm. know, the... All over the, the atrocities and yeah. and what Spain did and what Portugal did and 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 also to understand all the people that were there before and how they were and then to I don't know it's the world is a very interesting place yeah. and yeah it's rich with history and so rich beauty in all yeah. sorts of areas mm-hmm. I had a great quote the other day I think mm-hmm. you'd like it it was um, history is what you learn first it's what you learn. Second is what you make. Third is what you become. I was like, that's I love a that. good quote, isn't it? So for me, expression is a really important part of life. You know, you have to... Uh, I love the quote, be yourself, everyone else has already taken. Mm. And I was really sad to hear that Oscar Wilde didn't actually say that. So, um, But Oscar Wilde is a huge like inspiration for me. I, mm. And walking around the streets of London... When I was the age that he was, like, my mum would dress me as Oscar Wilde because my model agency wouldn't um, accept me uh, with my orange makeup and ripped clothes and, you know, like, nipple showing or whatever. And so they they threatened me with going to Top, Top Man to... Um, with the credit card for the for the model agency and my mum was like oh we can't let that happen and so she said what what about Oscar Wilde you love frilly shirts and you love all that so she started dressing dressing me as Oscar Wilde and I went to this Oscar Wilde party and Steve Stephen Fry was there and he said wow you look just like Oscar you're a genius and I said no my mum dressed me like this she said your mother's a genius they became friends later like um and so expression is it really kind of makes people interested in you you mm. can do things with it um i had a very strange trip um over the southern states last exactly a year ago this week um and i went to mississippi and a place called clarksdale mississippi and just outside of that is the most conservative part of america like the most conservative state most conservative people um and my manager um oliver luckett he is he wrote the book, more or less invented the way we use social media. And I've learned a lot through him over the years. Um, and he's always pushed me to, in every, you know, put me in a corporate meeting and I'd be sitting there kind of advising him next to it. Like, 
So it's interesting how your expression and who you are can actually help change other things. And um, But he brought me around the southern states and um, I didn't know, but my work was in the Chamber of Commerce. Um, and as you go in, there's a sculpture, there's pictures, there's my bust in this really conservative town. And the whole town loved my work and it was mm. really interesting. Um, and this is the thing, like, as as much rubbish as I get from people and hate and things, it's mainly online because when I walk into a room, people don't know what to think. They go, is it a man or woman? Is it a queen? Or is it, a... <laughs> we don't know, is it, what is it? Mm. And I think I'm quite calm and I'm not screaming and shouting mm. and I don't really don't want attention. Like I'm, you know, I'm kind of like a, an ostrich, you know, I'm in all the feathers and, you know, I want to hide. So I put my head in the, in the sun and think no one can see me. So that's how I feel. Um, so going through meeting the governor and meeting all these politicians, I'm just sitting there expressing myself in every way. But this allows me to be very calm and to be collective and go, I know I'm this, but also I'm a person. Mm. And I never hold back, like, ever. And I think it's really important. I, I said in a TED talk that I did, confidence is a concept you choose. Um, and it's it's not always that easy. But um, I think it's so important that younger people are just themselves. Like, you can't be anyone else. You And I, I spent half of my life trying to be like someone else, you know, and, and running from other things. And I'm like, I was here already. You know, I, I have what it takes. Like, I'm, I'm already me. Yeah. So use that. Like, use that to your advantage. And this whole imposter syndrome thing that we all talk about. I spoke to someone yesterday and I said, he was struggling at a party and he was like, I'm here, I'm very queer. Like, I never know what to do in these situations. It was like a Vogue event. And he was like, I, he's well known. And he's he's like, but I think people think I'm too much. And I said, I've spent my whole life being an imposter in every city, if I go to the post office or if I go to the wherever I am, I've made my whole career on being an outsider and made use of that to the highest level I can. And that expression works for me and it's it brings me to all these places, all these situations. And and I people go, is this a costume or an outfit? Are you performing? And I'm like, no, this is just actually how I am, believe it or not. You know, it takes me 20 minutes to get ready and this is how I am most days, you know? And I think it's very important for me, I've learned to accept my expression is just how I am and I can't exist any other way. And I, and I think people, unless they're in danger, um, be unapologetically yourself. Like, I think it's so important. Don't hold back, you know? If you're gonna hurt someone, different situation. If you're gonna be mean to someone, different situation. If you have ill intent or negative intent, mm. don't bother. Mm. But if if you're gonna be truly you, be you for you, and that's it. Mm. And you, and other people will appreciate it too. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's how I see it. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's very inspiring, and yeah. it makes me want to take my. I don't know. <laughs> what? I don't know what, what I was going to say. Like, 
become a drag king or something. I don't know. Just do something that's just, you know, freeing. We mm. should. I know, I should. You're you always must. scared you of what other people think all the time. It's not their lives, it's your life. Yeah. Yeah. I always think this, like... I'm like, oh, I wonder what they think. I'm curious because it helps me. I gain, I'm like a, an analyst. <laughs> I, I really want to understand the, the person, like understand them. So, but what they think about it, me, I'm like, that's not my business. That's yeah. their business. Mm-hmm, yeah. You know, that's their life. And if like, how do you deal with hate? Like if you, if, over the years and stuff. So, uh, for example, there was one guy that came to an, a show I did in Iceland, an American guy, um, six foot four. He comes in, he's like, hey. And I'm like, hi. Um, he walks around, he's in the show for two hours. He comes out and he said, I hated it. And I'm like, he hated it, hates, oh no. Like, and, and I said, why? And he said, oh, once you've seen one, you've seen them all. And I'm like, okay, I understand that bit. I said, I'd love to talk to you. Mm. and I was, I'm so fascinated I would love to sit down and talk to you can we talk and he's like no <laughs> and I'm like there's a bar downstairs I'm happy let's go and get a drink um, so we go down to the bar he's talking and then he said I let my frustration out on you and I'm really sorry mm. and I was just like ooh okay this is a twist like you know this is after him yeah. telling me about his life and how mm. you know he's really professional like you know macho kind of yeah. and then he said I'm gay and I'm like Ooh. <laughs> oh okay wow. that's fascinating um so I always see like hate comes from somewhere whether it's people are really stupid or ignorant or they hate themselves mm. Or they've just been taught something like Megan Phelps, you know, like the the God hates F-A-G, that word. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, that family. And she left at the age of 26 and realised that she she was taught her whole life to be a bigot. And oh, she thought yeah. it was so normal. And then she realised she wasn't like, and then she kind of went the opposite way. Um, I don't know where she is at the minute, but I, I thought that was extraordinary that she, you know, left the most hated family in America who really were proud of themselves of being so awful and and I think that happens a lot in humanity like people you grow up and I remember my brother and his really interesting situation my brother and his friends would go oh gay you gay like that Mm. right and my mum said why did you never say that to Daniel so we knew he was so like <laughs> so, so that was a kind of an interesting yeah I had a similar experience when I was young mm. like the boys who were like who later came out as gay were never really called gay yeah but it was used to like demean the masculinity in the straight the straight, straight boys yeah. amongst yeah. the straight men mm. so weird but um, sometimes I've had to fight and I've um, the worst thing that happened physically is, physically wow i don't i'm not a fighter i had to learn to box like i'm a boxer don't come near me <laughs> um I've, I've recently got death threats and um you know if you're actually getting hate online and abuse you have to go to the police i, I don't if wherever you live i don't know if people would take it, police would take it seriously but if you live in the uk report every bit of hate that you get Mm-hmm. and make it serious because like you know go to the police all the time even if it's a stupid comment like but if it's hateful it's illegal mm-hmm. you know so i don't stand for hate 
Um, and usually I will stand if if I'm not if I don't if I think I'm in danger. Um, I will run, <laughs> yeah. um, or I will try and diffuse the situation. And, and usually, people. It's the people around me that cause the trouble. It's not me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my friends are like, we want to protect you. And I'm like, no, mm. let's just float away. You know, yeah. I remember being chased um, by these guys up Piccadilly once. And I was quiet. I didn't say anything. My friends started at them. And I'm like, yeah. this is a nightmare. Just don't go there. Yeah. You know, it's not worth it. But if you have to defend yourself. Yeah. I remember leaving us. Um, I was with Kelly Osborne, Luke Worrell, Steve Strange, my boyfriend at the time, and we came out of a club, and I was actually in drag, so I do drag on my day off, like, it's fun, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah. I met Anna Nicole Smith, mm. um, I was very privileged to meet her, and I kind of based my character off her, wow. so I came out of a club, I had blow-up balloons, and a big <laughs> orange Izzy kind of stretchy dress, and this guy spat at me, and I'm like, and I told everyone to leave, so everyone went the other side of the road and it was almost like they were watching it happen. And I'm like, call the police, you know. Um, uh, and Steve Strange was like, someone call the police. I'm like, you call the police. So the guy spat on me again. And I'm like, now I would not do this, I've learned. But I spat at him back and all of a sudden, boom, hit me in the eye. And I'm like, oh, that really hurt. Yeah. And I just lost it. And I beat him and his three friends up. But this is something I'm not proud about, you know, like, and <laughs> I'm not proud of it. You know, it's the worst, uh, the worst side of me possible, which is not, doesn't exist in any other part of my life. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's horrible to, but I'm not going to stand there and be beaten to smith, like, you know, by a load mm -hmm. of homophobes or mm. whatever. This was a long time ago. So, but now I just run or... You know, I just walk the other way. Mm. Sometimes I am actually scared of people, but most of the time, I'll, if it's in a public place, and yeah. I'll stand up to them. Yeah. And if someone says something, I'll be like, you know. Mm. So, yeah. Wow. yeah. There's different types of, you know, I was stabbed as well. That was the worst thing that happened to me. Oh. I don't really want to talk about it no. much, but these are real things, you know. Yeah. And, and all this hate and bigotry online that people are, all these messages, like, all this anti... LGBTQIA plus stuff like that's what it leads up to mm -hmm. that's that's the result mm -hmm. you know and you can't take that back you right? can't no and it, it keeps spreading even the, like I had a friend not a friend but posting memes and things like and I'm like we're not the butt of a joke like we're we're real people I said I love you to bits and he's like I love you too and I said so why are you doing this to people like me why are you being so stupid like you're better than that and he's like oh i just and i'm like well it's your decision but you'll be cancelled like and then you're gonna have a whole new audience mm. if yeah what do you think about all this cancel culture i personally i for example i i personally believe that jk rowling is getting worse and actually the result of what she thinks isn't transphobia is harming real human beings mm. like really badly and if that's if people like i think she lost millions on, in her business and whatever and I, I in that way i think it's a good way to 
you know, do not support hate. Don't give her money. Don't, you know, boycott. And if people are doing the worst things in the world and saying things and, and fueling hate and anger and bigotry and ignorance and all the other things that come with it, then, you know, I think we need to distance ourselves from that. But so it's, but I don't like the idea of cancel culture. Um, but I don't like the idea of hatred and bigotry. And, and I think if, if cancel culture is the result of someone destroying communities, then I'm not, I'm not bothered by, you know, yeah. I don't mind. <laughs> I don't mind that she's losing millions. She doesn't care. But... I mean, yeah, the solution is like, it's not going to be perfect, is it? No. To these kind of things. No. And also this whole biological situation, my friends are, um, this is really interesting. And I hope this paper comes out very soon. Um, but they're looking into why people are trans and non-binary and, um, and I'm, I'm a, a TED, uh, TED speaker. Mm-hmm. So I have access to everyone from whoever goes to TED, you've seen on stage, and we have a little app, and it's like a neuroscientist, a biologist, um, someone that studies DNA, um, and the brain. And, and so I put a group together. Um, a trans man recently has been doing studies of why people are trans, and it's biological, they believe. And they think it happens between, um, and don't quote me on this, but that when the fetus is the size of a grape, um, the body develops and then the brain develops. And then there's a situation between that time where it develops differently to uh-huh. how many other people are born. So, um, and it's not detectable because it's not genetic. So right. it won't like the intersex, there's maybe 42 ways of being in of mm-hmm, being intersex yeah. Yeah. um and that is you can detect that but with trans mm, so right. mm-hmm. this situation it won't be detectable and then i went and spoke to this other um amazing so she the lady that studies the brain and she's like a great doctor and she fights fascism all kinds of things she was actually brought up by the turf movement in san francisco like the really and her mum was like a a turf and um, she grew up with them and she said it was all brainwashing and all. Um, but now she said, I want to do something that's good because mm-hmm. I I sat through that. She didn't do anything bad, but she, Just you know, that, yeah. she felt like she needed to contribute back. Mm-hmm. And she she's like, well, the brain is so different. Like, so these people are working together um, and they're coming up with a paper which says that it's not just, you're not just male or female there's different variations of the ways of being human. And not just that, there's genetics involved. There's the brain, there's there's the biology. And then, so it's like, we're a vast species. And we look at all these other species and we go, oh, well, they're intersex and they're this and they're that, and they can change gender. And this is what they do throughout. And, and we're looking at ourselves going, well, we can't do that. Like it's a bit caveman, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, but so these three amazing scientists are working on something hopefully which will be out soon and and hopefully go to the un and the who and everywhere else so it's really fascinating i i love i love uh scientists and (laughs) and and this is what i'm able to do as as a living sculpture you know like these three they're on the same mission put them together Mm. see what see what they come up with i love that that's amazing great connection people yeah it's quite crazy that the idea that some like gender is binary like n- nothing is really binary 
right? Like colors aren't binary and like, yeah. there's no absolute, but this one thing, gender, we have to treat it as binary. Like it kind of makes you go, hang on a minute, what's going on? <laughs> like, what? like, why would you disbelieve people that yeah. there's an actual reasoning to it and think that they're, uh, what, what they say, mentally ill or like uh, that they're lying, that they're trying to like, Attention. why? Why would they do that? Why wouldn't it just be why? a possibility? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's insane. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, to be honest, people say, well, why would we choose to be like this? To be honest, I would choose to be like this. Mm-hmm. I uh, unapologetic. Like if you said you could have lived your life as a straight person, I'd be like, oh my gosh. Nightmare. <laughs> this is the worst nightmare ever. I'd be so boring. My yeah. mum said that to me as well. Are you so, close with your mum? Very close. My mum's amazing. Oh, I love that. And she supported me from day one. Um, I kind of came out and to my brother and sister and then... Uh, I was screaming in the car on the. I just left a boyfriend in Birmingham. Got on the train, drank a bottle of wine. I was like, "Mom, I've got something to tell you." And she's like, "I don't want to hear it." And I'm like, "Oh, I think she knows." And I'm like, "I've got that. I need to tell you." She's like, "No, don't tell me." And I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" Like she knows, and she. Oh, this is a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Wake up the next morning, go down to my kitchen, turn on the TV. She, she's cooking breakfast. She turns the TV off and I'm sitting on like the kind of the worktop yeah. and she's like, so you've got something to tell me. And I was so hungover and I was just like, <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> this is a nightmare. <laughs> and she sat down and she was like, so? And I'm like, uh, and she said, I know, don't I? And I said, yes, you do. She said, it's fine. Don't worry. And then she actually, <laughs> she actually got in the car. I said, don't tell dad. Please don't tell dad. Don't tell anyone. Please. I've told my brother and sister. Um, And I went out as a waiter at the time and I went out to work and I got home and my brother was like, she told everyone. And I'm like, what? She told everyone. She got in the car and told her, I'm like, you're joking me. And I said, what did dad say? And he said, uh, he told her to get over it. Because <laughs> um, she wasn't, she's not a bigot, like, but she was just worried for my life. And back mm. then it was different, you know. Yeah. I honestly thought I was the only gay in the village when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Like, that was yeah. the, um, and that was that was what I thought, you know. I didn't know about the world and how amazing it is. But, mm. um, so, yeah, my grand- grandmother said there's so many of them out there. As long as he finds one good enough for him, I'm happy. Aww. And, like, so it's oh, amazing. It's, it's the difference when families are accepting. Oh, gosh. Such, and I, um, I know my heart breaks, you know, mm. for my friends. Like, I take everyone in <laughs> yeah, yeah. and try and look after them. And I, the world's yeah. scary enough. Yeah. Your inner world to yeah. be accepting. Well, I just could never um, understand a parent that would disown their own mm. child. I mean... That's the lowest of the low. Yeah. I think what's great about LGBT people is that we find, we can find our own families yeah. mm-hmm. and yeah, they're yeah. just as meaningful, I think. Yeah. Mm. Is, yeah. And I think we can all value that if someone is rejected by their family, that we've been, we've all been there of like that, that point in our lives where we've been like, oh, this could be it. This could, we could be rejected mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. We all know that dread, that feeling. And then mm. the fact that it's not happened to us and then, has happened to someone else. Yeah, it's, you're right. Like you just want to give them a big hug, huge hug, and all the love. Yeah, mm. which they deserve. And and it's horrible to hear people like we don't deserve. And I'm like, you deserve more love than anyone. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And we're very fortunate if our families have accepted us. And it mm-hmm. shouldn't even be a thing, you know. Like yeah. it's so crazy. It is. 
Well, I'm very glad that your family do. That's beautiful to hear. Thank you. And my mum's called me up. She's like, I've got an idea. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> what is it? You should do this. And I'm like, that's a really good idea. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> so you don't identify as a drag queen? No. How does self-expression differ from art based on performance? This is my version of a t-shirt and jeans. And this is how I prefer to be, generally, mm. on a daily basis. So for me, it's not performative. It's not, it's just how I want to be, you mm. know? Like, it's how I live my life. It's how I choose. It's sometimes a logistical nightmare to get through <laughs> doors and things like that. Um, and, you know, because I wear makeup, people may go, is it drag? And and back, like, 15 years ago, um, drag was very different. And because of drag race, things have changed a lot. And a lot of those queens stole my look. <laughs> um, so I don't mind that. Um, so it's kind of interesting. Um, I mean, the si similarities and my inspiration, some of that comes from that world. But everyone compared me to Lee Bowery, who was a performance mm -hmm. artist in the 80s. Um, and they're like, you paint over your lips. And I'm like, well, that's because of Anna Nicole Smith and, you know, and Lola Ferrari. And mm -hmm. I was obsessed with them. And uh, it's it's interesting. Like, my ideas come from all over the place. Um, and every day I use my body as a canvas and um, create a depiction of the person that I want to look like on that day. So it's like painting a picture or sculpting something, you know, you want to sculpt whatever, you want to paint a picture of a person or a self-portrait. Um, and that's that's kind of just how I am. And, mm. um, you know, it just looks a bit different to everyone else. And mm -hmm. um, But I do drag mainly to go and pull really hot men. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a big blonde beehive and um, I kind of, it's kind of Patsy Stone from Abfab with um, Anna Nicole Smith and that's who I am inside um, <laughs> and in those moments and, and I have a lot of fun and I, I'm i not a performance artist um, although the V&A made me perform in my last show and they said there has to be a performance aspect and it was really difficult for me because people think this is performative um, but really this is exactly how I live so it's like this is so normal for me mm. um, and, and when it came to that, it was like, what do I do? And and I stood in between um, 12 of my sculptures with a mask on. Mm. And they said, you've got to perform somehow. And, and no one knew it was me at the beginning, apart from Gail Porter. And she was like, that's Daniel. And I'm like, oh, no, she, she clocked me. <laughs> um, and then I gave a monologue underneath. And then I took the mask off. And then people were like, oh, my gosh. you know." So I, I gave a bit of a performance there. But I'm not a performance artist. And... Um, like people like Marina Abramovic, she's a good friend. She put me in her performance art show um, on TV. She said, I see the parallel. And she, she gets it. She knows I'm not performing. So if I wanted to perform, I'd be very different, you know. So yeah. it's it's interesting. And it? um, But for me, this is just, like I said, T-shirt and jeans. <laughs> and I do wear this on the beach. <laughs> That's um, brilliant. Yeah. The sand. And in the snow. There's pictures. There's sand, snow, whatever weather. And what's the strongest reaction to you you've had? Um, the strongest? I mean, I've become friends with my idols. Mm -hmm. People that I really admire. So many different walks of life. And 
that's really nice. It's like, wow, my like some like seven of nine from Star Trek. Jerry Ryan, like she's following me on Instagram, and Twitter, and I'm like, I'm so obsessed. Um, <laughs> you know, and and then so there's really positive things like that. I just did a video with Jared Leto, and he, you know, he was like, you are a sculptor. I need you in this video, and we I interviewed him and then became friends. And people might be looking at me. Hmm. But I'm really staring at you. You are the performance. Like, the response that happens to me, the weirdest things. I've seen a car crash. I've seen people fall over. I've seen people, like, do the weirdest, yeah. funniest things. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm all I'm doing is sitting here, yeah. doing nothing. And I'm just staring and watching a whole group of people respond to me. Oh. And they're the ones performing. Because mm. I'm doing, literally doing nothing. That's so interesting. That is extremely interesting. I yeah. love that sort never of switch about that it. you've. That and, oh my And that's word. how I feel, you know. Yeah. The, the best and the weirdest thing that ever happened to me. There's a few weird things, but <laughs> I, so I went to practice my TED talk, and it took me three months to write, and I cannot like rest. Mm-hmm. I have to work constantly, all day, every day. Mm-hmm. I my life is my work, and my work's my life. And I had to go up a volcano in Iceland to get peace. And I knew I would get peace there. And I went up with a giant bowl around me with this weird thing, with sunglasses, with this big coat. And I'm practicing my talk. I'm delivering it to the world. It's like the scariest thing to do a TED talk on the main stage. And it's like, for me, that's my worst fear, like to perform in front of people. Mm, It's not my worst nightmare. Since I've done that, I had I did one more talk after a wedding in front of Anna Wintour, and, and now I can do anything. I can speak anywhere <laughs> in the world. Put me at the UN, I'll be happy. Um, but uh, this guy was walking up the volcano, and I was watching him, and I was like, okay, he's going to come by now. I wonder what's going to... You know, I, I always expect a reaction. I'd never ask for it. I don't mm. want it. Just leave me alone. <laughs> like, I'm existing. Like, mm. Or if it's good, I'm happy, you know. Mm. And I was like, I wonder what, what he's going to do. Yeah. And he walked by. He didn't once look at me. He didn't acknowledge the fact that I existed. It was the weirdest thing. Like, it was like I wasn't there. Literally, it was like I didn't exist. And he walked by. And Because with my contacts, I can see quite far. No acknowledgement of my existence on the side of a mountain wearing a giant dome. Wow. And I'm like... I'm so relieved. Yeah. And I'm like, thank you. Yeah. You know? First time in my life, yeah. someone just left left me. Like, yeah. I don't even know if he knew I was there. I don't know. Yeah. Like, it was the mm. weirdest thing, though. And, yeah. and so when people are dressed up or wear makeup or wear something, it doesn't mean they want attention. Mm. I don't yeah. think that. I think sometimes um, it's a form of armour. Um, like I said about the ostrich, like, you know, burying my head in the sand and thinking no one can see me in these plumes. Um, that's really how I feel. And I think a lot of my work has real armor, you know, like I'm, I feel like I'm a warrior sometimes, like I'm out against the whole world, like, because everyone's going to think something. And this is what I say, like, when you think, oh, what are they going to think about this? Yeah. everyone's going to think something about something. Yeah. So if you worry about what everyone in the world thinks about what you are, you're going to be exhausted. Mm. And 
So I think you should give yourself a break and yeah. <laughs> you know, just be you and do yeah. do you, you know. Yeah. Why do you think queer people often need their self-expression to resemble armour in the way that your creations often resemble armour? So looking through history, um, like you said, the, a lot of queer people in their art form has lots of armour and lots of layers to it. And I think that's who we are as people, mm. you know. We've had to be like that and it's a shame we've had to do that. It's a shame we've had to fight. It's a shame we... It's a nightmare. Mm. We should just be able to exist as ourselves and mm. and just live and love and learn and eat and do whatever we do as human beings. But, you know, we we have to put on that extra layer sometimes. Mm. And and I... I th in a way, it's... Everyone's like, are you uncomfortable? I'm like, no, I'm so uncomfortable. I'm so comfortable in this. Like... Mm. For me, this is, I feel like I'm in a nice caftan and I'm, you know, even though it could be like weighing my head down, yeah. I feel like um, I exist yeah. and and it helps me exist and it it helps me live my life um, the way I want to. Mm. And I'm very lucky to be able to do that. But I have two options, don't or do. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to do it. So, And if I want to stop this, I'll stop it. It's never going to happen. So please can you tell us a moment that you felt pride? I feel pride constantly for our community, just for existing. Like, I think we're so fabulous and so wonderful and beyond. And, you know, our communities are so what's needed in the world, you know, and we're colourful and amazing and intelligent and bright and we change the world and we do all these extraordinary things and we live our lives very differently. And I think that, if the others just took a note from our book, the world would be a better place. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. I think that, like, queer people always want to learn. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, like, they have that, they keep that childlike need for play all the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think it's beautiful. I think, yeah, it is. What would your message be to people who are scared of the unknown, specifically those who might be struggling with gender and sexuality? Depending where you are in the world, you've got to judge your environment. And I say to people that are in places where they're not allowed to be themselves, be you as much as you can. Mm. You just don't have to talk about things to everyone because obviously you're in trouble. But be you to the maximum you can be without getting yourself into danger and then I get there's there's different ways of looking at it and anyone that's privileged to be able to and it's so weird even saying privileged to be able to be you yeah. but it is a privilege to be queer and it is a privilege to be trans and gay and lesbian like non-binary it's amazing and and don't see it as a bad thing like I I meet people all the time and they're like, oh, we wish we could change. And I'm like, that's crazy. Mm. Like, I'm sorry. Like, it's, and, and that's what society does to mm. us. And it tells us how to be. But we're not like that. So why is, yeah. why does someone's thousand year old rules apply to us the, today? They don't. Mm -hmm. And what would your message be for those who, maybe their environment is fine. Yeah. But their inner critic and their inner um phobia of being who themselves what would message you them 
respect yourself and love yourself and it's so cliche to say like love yourself but really do and really do you know people ask me what the best advice I ever got and it it sounds really cruel um but I was sitting in boy George's house one day and we were going through all these like records and whatever and I was telling him all my insecurities and in not in the way you would imagine but he said get over yourself and I'm like how dare you and then I, I sit there and I'm like, no, he's not saying that. He's saying, get over all these situations, like, because you're okay. Yeah. Like, you're you're fine. You're, it's just what the world's telling you. Judge yourself, you know. And if you can judge yourself, then hopefully it will help you be yourself. And that's, that's what I think. And I, I know I'm very privileged to be able to say all these things, but... Um, when he said that to me, it really hurt for a second. <laughs> and I'm not saying this to anyone else, like, you know, but, but it helped me. And it made me understand, like, whoa, there's like 15 years of trauma that were just kind of healed in a weird way. Mm. Like, so thank you to boy George. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and uh, I don't know, like, talking to him, actually, He's, you know, he said things in the past, but he doesn't, I know, I know him so well. He's mm. like my family. And he's so pro-trans and pro-non-binary. And when he said these things, he says them in context from the 80s, which is a very different language. And this is what I'm saying about, you know, the history. We have to understand where these people came from. Yeah. Um, and we can't expect to feed them everything and them know it straight away. If I give you algebra... Could you go through that? I'm not comparing us to algebra, but I'm kind of saying these lessons, we need people need time to learn and and he's now like, How am I how can I help trans rights? Like how can I you know, and, and, and he's actually doing things. So um I don't know. It's 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 been interesting look from his generation to my generation to speaking to younger people and it's um I really just want people to be them and, and that you deserve to be you. You know, young people, I mean, I'm so blown away by the younger generations. I'm like, they know everything. <laughs> they know more than we knew. Um, and they, they, they're so respectful. Yeah, like, they really are young. Yeah, very patient with people as well. So I, I just say, to you love, love who you are. Because you can't be anybody else. You can only ever be you. Yeah. But you can add all these things, like I just said, like a Mandalorian. I'm adding my armour, but, yeah. you know, use your whole existence as a canvas and paint and create that beautiful picture of who you are and be you and and uh, add these things to yourself, you know, and you can take things away that you don't think are relevant. I, I've changed so many times throughout my life mm. and I'll change forever. Yeah. And change is a constant, like... Yeah. Um, and it's, it's just who we are and it's what our species do. And I, I think we should be allowed to develop like everybody else. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming today. Thank it's you. Thank you for having incredible. me. Yeah, it's it has, isn't it? Yeah. I'm going to be floating on air. I know. I'm really I'm really feeling lighter, actually, talking to you. It's really, really nice to yeah. hear. Um, not a perspective that I hear so much. Obviously, you're so yourself. I think it's harder for young people to like kind of know where who they are yet. Yeah, and it's hard. It is difficult to navigate that space, but just to speak to someone who has 
navigated it and is content and mm -hmm. expressing it in the most amazing way is just warms my heart. Thank mm. you.